Hello and welcome to Common Air, an exhibition companion for two Robatos and Footnotes on Equality at Costco Art Institute, aired on Stranded FM. The day is April 25th, 2019, and it's two o'clock. We're broadcasting live from Stranded FM in Utrecht. My name is Stacey Boucher, and I'm curator at Costco Art Institute, working for the Commons. I am joined, joined today by fellow Costco team members, Rosa Pardenkoper and Sophie Desserrier. The sound design for Common Air was created by Robin Rutenberg, and our visual identity as seen online is by Zuzana Kostolanska. This is Common Air's third episode, and we're very grateful to Stranded FM for hosting this fun experiment. Thanks Luke and the rest of the crew here for your help and support and ensuring that everything goes smooth. Also thanks to everyone who listened to our two previous episodes and everyone that worked with me to make this, this thing come to life. You can hear the first and second episodes on mixcloud.com forward slash stranded FM. If you'd like the show notes, send an email to stacy at costco.art and that's Stacy with an I. In today's episode, we are focusing on the solo exhibition Two Rubatos by Terry Tamlitz at Costco Art Institute. We're going to start by sharing situated reflections, news, and upcoming events at Costco Art Institute, and then introduce the exhibition and emphasize some aspects of the work, including some sonic material, and then dive into footnotes um, in, in the critical essays by Tamlitz. Lastly, you'll hear some visitors' thoughts on the exhibition, and a selection of tracks by Ultra Red's Second Nature, which uh, Tamlet's worked on. So stick around and thanks for listening. I am joined here today um, by Rosa Pardenkoper, uh, Curator of Language and Dissemination at Costco Art Institute. Welcome to Common Air, Rosa. Thank you. <laughs> so last week we had um, an event called Coffee and Questions Goes West. It's uh, the second walk-in consultation for upcoming artists and designers, um, organized in the context of uh, Cultural Sunday's Go West. Can you tell us a little bit about it, um, and what it was, and how this last session went? Yeah, so Coffee and Questions is an initiative by our head of diverse economies, uh, Erik Uitenbogaert. And um, it's uh, a walk-in consultation, as you said, for people who are starting out in the field of art and design and need really practical help with, um, for example, starting up their business as a freelancer mm -hmm. or maybe finding studio space. Mm -hmm. And um, so we work together with different experts in these fields. For mm -hmm. example, the Platzmakers, which mm -hmm. is um, a local group here in Utrecht who are uh, organizing a lot of studio spaces for artists, and also mm -hmm. SMART. Mm -hmm. And uh, for this edition, we also worked with MBO Utrecht. Um, and we really look at ways of kind of helping people with their work and well-being around being a uh, starting artist or designer. 
Um, and for this edition, we did that going west uh, as part of Cultural Sunday. So mm. we were in um, a new cultural space called the Vrijhaven. Mm. Um, and we were gathering there, and we have coffee, uh, mm. cookies, <laughs> and just sit around and talk. Ask questions. And, yeah, <laughs> ask questions, exactly. So it Great. was a good day, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that sounds um, just extremely important to um, supply young artists and designers and other cultural producers with the tools to get going and from people that are in the field and already working in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so is there another one that's coming up? Uh, yeah, we are working on a series and it might become mm -hmm. a regular thing. So we mm -hmm. don't have a date yet, but we mm -hmm. will uh, keep everyone posted. And Great. if you are interested, you can send an email to eric at casco.art. Mm. That's E-R-I-K, Eric. Yeah. Yes. Great. And so, um, Rosa, um, what else is uh, coming up for you and also at, at Costco Art Institute? So um, one of the very exciting things that we have coming up at Costco is um, a teen camp, uh, mm -hmm. which is a one day um, of action for uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, youth um, between the ages of uh, 15 and 18. And um, this is something that we are organizing with Queering Space. Mm. Um, and it's our very first time working with youth. So it's, uh, it's mm. really exciting to sort of explore this uh, one day of art making and working with, with youth. Um, at the same time, it's also very tricky because mm -hmm. it's a new demographic for us and we are mm -hmm. kind of trying out different things of um, reaching, uh, reaching the teens. Mm -hmm. So if anyone has, uh, has a teen in their environment that might want to come, then uh, please point them in the right direction. And if you are uh, interested in hearing more about it, you can send me an email on rosa at costco.art, rosa with an S. Um, another thing that's coming up for me is uh, something that I'm doing alongside of my work at Costco, uh -huh. which is I'm part of um, a self-organized school that I founded called School in Common. And up until mm. recently, we were working mostly in Sweden, in mm. Stockholm. And we are now for the first time doing a workshop in the Netherlands. Uh, and we are doing that together with uh, Sonder Hinze, who is a great friend of, uh, of School in Common. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be a workshop where we are zine making. Uh, it's at Witte de Witt, and it's mm -hmm. called From Object to Zine, uh, part of the parallel curriculum program that they are running there. Uh -huh. So if you would like to hear more about this uh, event that's taking place on the 10th of May, mm -hmm. uh, then you can check out the Witte de Witt's website, or you can also find School in Common on social media, at School in Common. Wow, great. That sounds really exciting. Uh, thanks so much, Rosa, for joining us, this reflection moment and upcoming. So um, going off of that, just to, to continue with the schedule for what's happening at Costco, um, well, first, not at Costco, but everywhere. Um, I just want to say a very special happy birthday to a special person, uh, Lotte van der Vleuten. Um, happy birthday. Also, happy birthday to everyone else that has birthdays today. Um, uh, and so, um, next week, it's, uh, it's really exciting that we have Terry Tamlitz coming uh, to visit us, and we have collaborated with the Netherlands Research School of Gender Studies and Terra Critica uh, to host a doing gender lecture by her. So we're really excited. It's um, starting at five. Um, registration has 
close, but um, you can still send an email to Truda at um, energy at uu.nl. Um, there's a waiting list, but we, we want to welcome everyone um, and try to get as many people in the room as possible. So this is going to be at Utrecht University. And then so, like Rosa said, on Saturday, the 4th of May, we have our um, first teen camp day, day program. Um, it's called Radical Affirmation. And uh, this is organized in collaboration with Queering Space. So um, please reach out to us if, if you want to register. Um, another thing, the, um, our exhibitions close actually on the, the 12th of May. So please come by and visit. You can put um, yeah, more context to uh, what we've been doing here on Common Air as an exhibition companion. But you can come uh, engage with it. If you're around, um, please come by. So uh, for the rest of May, there's a, um, an event on the 23rd uh, with Michelle Bowens called A Common Commonist Manifesto. This is co-organized with the Economy uh, of the Common Good and with Dune Foundation, and it's going to be at the University of Humanistic. Um, so more information about that online. And then lastly, um, the 27th of May, we have our second study meeting at Costco Art Institute. This is introducing the study line called Poetics of Living, of which these two exhibitions that we've been talking about are situated. We're going to introduce it uh, more formally and with the art historian and curator, Rizvana Bradley. Um, at the same time, we're also going to be highlighting what's called um, the affective community, and this is the long-term, very generative relationship between Costco and Gender Studies program at Utrecht University. So that's uh, for what's upcoming. So the most commonly asked question uh, when people visit the exhibition to Rubato's, what in the world is Rubato? And moreover, when thinking about the commons, how does the use of Rubato help us uh, in thinking about time giving and taking and complexity in collective practice or commoning, or commoning experience. Hi, my name is Agustin Faundes Rojas and I'm a Masters of Music student at the Utrecht Conservatorium and a member of the Utrecht Experimental Ensemble. So regarding the topic of tempo rubato, I want to first define what rubato means. Rubato comes from the Italian word rubare, which translates to stealing, and tempo meaning time. So tempo rubato refers to a musical situation in which time is stolen. However, according to common classical performance practices, time cannot just be stolen, but it eventually has to be given back. This happens most commonly in what we call cadenzas, which are solistic sections of a classically written piece in which an instrumentalist plays alone without accompaniment and plays musical phrases which may start slow and speed up. Hence, speeding up would be considered stealing time and slowing back down is giving back time. Mm -hmm. As a musician mainly interested in human interactions of music, I'd find it so interesting that tempo rubato is incredibly difficult to be done as a group since naturally we all have different notions of time and how to play with it. So when you encounter tempo rubato sections, you're most likely to hear a single instrument engaging in this time stealing rather than a group. Japan-based artist Terry Tamelitz has worked in sound, performance, 
and on multimedia albums and installations for over 30 years. In 1997 and 1999, respectively, Terry Tamlitz produced two albums featuring piano renditions in tempo rubato of music by techno-pop group Kraftwerk and electronic pop musician and producer Gary Newman. The renditions are characterized by open meter improvisation, rubato, a musical performance that does not adhere to a strict sense of time, and as well as computer-aided composition. The piano itself is digitally processed with improvisation stepped in across the musical notes along with distorting noise and flooding resonance to cloud the identification of the original tracks. Each album was accompanied by image parodies of the original artist's cover art and extensive analytical essays. All of this goes towards Tamlet's contribution to a sonic discourse of interpretation, as well as queer production of meaning across these musician techniques and thematics, as well as her own. Die Rubato Rubato from 1997 references one of Kraftwerk's most famous songs, Die Roboter, the robot, and how their representation as robots has become symbolic of the group. Tamlitz cast their recurrent themes of identity in post-industrial technologies as heteronormative processes of objectification and fetishization of gender machines. In rejection of Kraftwerk's infamous The Man Machine, Tamlitz ponders the cultural necessity and potential of a femme machine, with Replica's Rubato from 1999, Tamlitz traces, quote, the lie of sexual identity and its material and non-material, quote, truth of essence, as in being born this way, by discussing the queer thematics of Gary Newman's music and his ambiguous sexuality. Replica's was the name of the second album by the band Tubeway Army, which was fronted by Gary Newman and considered to mark the beginning of Newman's transmutation with machine and androgynous representation. The installations of Die Rubato Rubato and Replica's Rubato feature Tamlet's distorted and cloudy piano solos that strain the melody recognition process and presented for the first time are the original 35 millimeter images that were projected in the performances. The associated essays written by Tamlet's ensure that meanings are not lost to poetic vagary. The Rubato works are as much about the interpretive process of being a listener or reader and publicly contributing to sonic discourse on legibility as they are about the private desires and limitations of Tamlet's own commentary and construction of, quote, alternate truths through messy contradictions and hip hypocrisies. Tamlet's demonstrates what the work of referentiality and critique can do, identifying analysis as a kind of performative play that the spectator does implicating them in the cultural production through their consumption of texts, images, sounds, and asking what action to take next. Now, for the footnotes in the piece Replica's Rubato, these footnotes are part of the text written by Tamlitz that accompanies the piano interpretations by Gary Newman songs and parodies of his album art. Not only is this a play um, with our other exhibition, Footnotes on Equality, um, but there are many treasures in Tamlet's footnotes in these essays, um, and alone they inspire further investigation and engagement with her lines of thought. Um, for access to these texts and to have uh, more context for these footnotes, please send me an email uh, to stacy at costco.art.
One, all quotes by Gary Newman are recent and provided courtesy of Steve Mallins, manager. Two, for analyses of the current policing of gay cruising in Los Angeles Griffith Park, see Ultra Red's O to Johnny Rio, U.S. Comatons Recordings, 1998, C005, and Second Nature, an Electroacoustic Pastoral, Germany, Mille Plateau, 1999, MP62. Three, for science fiction narratives which combine discussions on sexuality, sexual identity, leftist politics, and race, see the writings of Samuel R. Delaney. For a, narrative four, for a narrative analysis of the role of shame as a primary impetus for cultural development, see Salman Rushdie's novel, Shame. For my own analysis of the importance of skepticism and anti-essentialism with regard to pride within empowering contexts, such as queer pride events, see my album, Love for Sale, Taking Stock in Our Pride, Germany, Mill Plateau, 1999, MP58. Five, these truths of essence have traditionally been used to naturalize social institutions, such as the family, dissuading attempts at reform by ideologically locating their bases in nature. For example, an obtuse biological urge to fuck has come to be accepted as a biological urge to enter a heterosexual and monogamous marriage to have children, thereby labeling non-heterosexual and non-reproductive behaviors as aberrations of nature. Certain lesbians and gays are similarly invested in proving a biological basis for homosexuality in an attempt to undermine ideological categorizations of homosexual behaviors as unnatural. I find this essentialist, essentialist tactic misguided in its reliance upon science, perhaps the most complicit of all Western cultural institutions. To identify as a homosexual truth of essence, the biological unavoidability of which is supposed to inspire an ultimately social ideological transformation that will foster acceptance and resolve inequities. In this manner, progressive politics adapts a similarly problematic desire to justify cultural development as the realization of an extra-social nature, once again alienating us from our own capacity for conscious social change based in contextual needs. Thanks, Rosa. Now let's listen to the piano interpretation of Gary Newman's Down in the Park by Terry Tamelitz.
Now for the footnotes in the piece, Die Rubato Rubato. These footnotes are part of the text written by Tamelitz that accompanies the piano interpretations of Kraftwerk songs, as well as the parodies of their album art. For access to these texts and for more context to these footnotes, please send me an email to stacy at costco.art. One, the concept of the avant-garde is herein rejected for its function since the late 1920s as a vehicle for dominant culture to recuperate reformist metaphors into high culture, ultimately becoming the spectacle of the wild beast within the confines of the gallery, epitomized by expressionism. It is also recognized as a primary venue of distribution and discourse for contemporary electronic music, placing at issue processes of recuperation implicit in my own projects. Two, while this process of identification involves many engendered signifiers, which emphasize the social prioritization of masculinity and men, it is not a specifically male process. Rather, it is herein seen as a dominant ideological point of reference, which contributes in multiple and ever inconsistent ways toward the construction of concepts of self among women, men, and transsexuals. Three, the term queer as reappropriated since the late 1980s by such groups as Queer Nation references pansexual and transgendered concepts of sexual identity and is used as an alternative to identities such as lesbian, gay, and bisexual, which operate in relation to the restrictive dichotomy of heterosexual slash homosexual. As a reappropriation, the term queer immediately discloses its contingency upon context. By de-essentializing sexual identities as social constructs through which people manifest their sexuality rather than as immutable biological preconditions, queerness places the construction of sexual identities within the social sphere, reinscribing their underlying cultural dynamics with the potential for social reform. The intent, is, the intent is to diffuse dominant fictions that heterosexism and homophobia are justified as natural attempts to suppress sexual diversity and maintain dominant social orders. Similar, similarly, queerness is a response to discussions of biological predeterminism within lesbian and gay communities, as such discussions can be turned against members of pansexual and transgendered communities who reject the heterosexual slash homosexual paradigm in favor of a multiplicity of identities and for whom concepts of identity are more openly related to the complication and or subversion of cultural norms. Thanks, Sophie. Now we're going to listen to the piano interpretation of Kraftwerk's Minch Machine by Terry Tamelitz.
Unbeknownst to many, there is one more Rubato work in the series, and that's interpretations of Devo titles created in 2001. At Costco Art Institute, we only had space for two of the Rubatos as an installation, and we selected replicas and Di Rubato for their content, and because these were the first two that were created. Here, I will read an excerpt from Tamelet's Devo's text, where she describes what she is doing with the Rubato series. The use of piano in these digitally composed recordings, and in the Rubato series as a whole, is intended to evoke a relationship between signifiers of both digital and analog sound within a larger framework of non-essentialist gender and identity-based discourse. In the simplest of terms, Western gender antagonisms between female and male continue to rest in the traditional dichotomy of mother nature versus the man machine. Um, this engendering of society along lines of female and male extends, extends to the private versus the public, the domicile versus the workplace, emotion versus logic, naivete versus genius, etc. It is within such a cultural framework that machine-based electronica producers have come to be commonly described as, quote, boys with toys. Conversely, acoustic instruments such as the piano are traditionally classified as feminized tools, quote, ladies, domesticated at the hands of their masters. The Rubato series combination of masculine, quote, masculine digital composition processes with a, quote, feminine piano sound is not an attempt to invert or subvert the traditional Western gendered paradigm nor is it simple either-or replacement of the original producer's masculine sound with a feminine one. Rather, it is an attempt to arrive at a sound of multiple and irresolvable associations, what I termed the femme machine in Di Rubato Rubato. Similarly, the predominant strategy behind the digital compositions themselves is to address expectations of real-time performance in drag resulting in arrangements which sound like beautiful mutants, mutually natural and impossible, erroneous and flawless. An incorporation of simultaneous and contradictory identification processes which perpetually recontextualize the modes of production as well as the desires of the producer, a transgendered subtext for those who wish to hear it. Now, we're at the segment where I want to share um, some other material by Terry Tamlitz um, by way of an album um, by the militant sound uh, investigators Ultra Red. Uh, this is called Second Nature, an electroacoustic pastoral, um, which Rosa mentioned earlier as part of one of the footnotes uh, in the replica's critical essay. So I wanted to give context to this because this was actually how I learned of Terry Tamlitz um, some four or five years ago. It was through this album that I well, was completely drawn into the, um, the sonic landscape, the conceptual qualities, and then 
also just how dense, um, densely theoretical and poetic it, it is. So um, this album, and for those that are watching on um, the FaceTime live stream, you can see that I have the CD uh, with me. This is the, the, um, the insert of the album. And so before playing one of the tracks, um, I wanted to just read a little bit from the, the album text. Now, this was um, created in, with support of Terry Tamlitz um, with her Comatones Records, um, as well as uh, she was part of doing the design of um, the, the album art here. So, Ultra Red's Second Nature, an electro-acoustic pastoral, is uh, produced and written by Ultra Red. Um, the quote here says, Ultra Red ha have long asserted that the bleeps and blips of electroacoustic performance, like the sighs and slurps of sex, are best experienced al fresco, in the open, an act of nature. As a matter of aesthetics, neither assertion can in itself be soundly contested, nor can these axioms in themselves be properly drafted for the basis of either theory or politics. So what they're doing with these, this album was actually um, taking the site of Griffith Park and investigating it as a, a zone of public space that was uh, often policed for the public sex that would happen um, in the space. What they would do is um, create interventions directly into the park, um, communicate with different people that were a part of uh, the community of cruising and um, uh, and all sorts of other encounters that happen there. So I'd like to play um, one of the tracks from this album. It's called Curved Behaviors. And I'll just read for a little bit more context. Labor, that is, the work of those who in fact husband nature to produce its fruits, becomes the, the actually existing pastoral's essential ingredient essentially obscured in matters of power and self-determination. So this track, among uh, two others, originated as a public space occupation recorded September 14, 1997, in the old zoo of, at Griffith Park. Public address, quote, was featured in subsequent occupations on May 2nd, 31st, and June 17th, 1998. For these occupations, Ultra Red visited areas throughout the park frequented by men cruising, although the term cruising possesses both erotic and illicit connotations for men who, quote, cruise, other men, the actions remain equivalent to quotentry. In each site, Ultra Red replayed a recording of the September performance through a portable stereo. The recordings made from these guerrilla broadcasts were later compiled into the version of public address featured on this album.
right, so you heard curbed behaviors. And now I just want to share just a snippet of the remix that Terry Tamelitz did to Curb Behaviors, so you can kind of get a sense of um, Tamelitz's intervention into this song. Okay, so that was Terry Tamlet's remix of Curb Behavior um, with the additional, uh, an addition to the title called No Park Queen. So just want to extend a, a, a really big thanks to everyone that has come to see our exhibition so far. Uh, there's still a little bit more time to do so, but just wanted to say thank you. Here are some reflections on two rubatos um, by some of our visitors. Hi, my name is Carol Waldron, and I got uh, the opportunity to go on the curator-led tour of the uh, current exhibitions at Casco Art Institute about two weeks ago. And what really stuck with me from seeing those super interesting exhibitions was Terry Tamelitz's piece, Two Rubatos. And what I found really moving, I guess, about that piece in particular was how much it resonated with 
times when you're a child and or a teenager more so than a child maybe and you hang out in your room and you play one album over and over and over again and it feels like it's speaking to you but what I find really interesting about that is that so many different people can read different things into it and I think that's kind of something what Terry Tainless was going about it speaks to different associations you have with yourself and with your being and your your way of presenting or your way of feeling and yeah especially the way it is situated in Casco's exhibition space it really felt like you had this like little attic room um, and it was just this like calm secluded space where you could lie there and think and listen to the music over and over again and coming in on a different day and it would mean a different thing but and yeah the, the different parallels between the image and the words and the sound was yeah really really interesting piece and I really appreciated the opportunity to get to experience it. My name is Jackson Moore. What struck me about two rubatos and in particular De Roboter Rubato, which I spent about an hour inside of on the last day of winter, was the way that Terry Tainlitz is grappling with um, the genre artifacts that anybody who takes up the practice of music in this time period has to contend with. And what resonated with me was the notion that the feminine position is key to finding some kind of subjective freedom within these artifacts. Now, rubato is a technique from Western classical music, and it relies on the fact that a score, which is a musical procedure, is internalized in the body in muscle memory. And being a determinate procedure, it really is a kind of automaton in the body that is well symbolized by robots. And I like the idea that rubato, which is the anamorphic distortion of this internalized procedure in performance, can be inhabited by a feminine subjectivity, a fembot, that gives the musician some kind of a space to maneuver inside of the received musical artifact. On the other hand, there was also a reference in Terry Tamlitz's text to the voice uh, as an object that transcends the automaton entirely. And I'm especially interested in this, the way that the voice can be used to make music that's entirely separate from genre, um, a, a use of the voice which allows us to make music without internalized artifacts from music history. Um, that use being when music is used as a way to face other people in the real world. And I think if the feminine position is going to unlock a revolution in everyday life, it will be in this way, by supplementing automata rather than harnessing or augmenting them. And about our other exhibition, Footnotes on Equality. Hello, my name is Jade. Um, before visiting Footnotes on Equality, I was really wondering and, and quite curious about how such a complex subject be presented in space um, and when visiting the show 
I really loved how how it was actually made, um, asking researcher to select an everyday object or material or image um, in order to give a sort of point of access into their research was so effective um, to me. Uh, it, it really sort of subverted this kind of uh, bit daunting uh, aspect of of academic research um, and kind of broke a barrier to me. Uh, and thinking when thinking about equalities and inequalities, especially you know, in terms of knowledge, um, I thought that this kind of universality of the everyday object was so effective in um, in providing access to um, extremely interesting research. Hello. So this last reflection will um, make a lot more sense for those that have also seen Footnotes on Equality and listened to the last episode of Common Air. So thanks very much to Kiara, Jackson, and Jade for sharing your reflections on the exhibitions. So um, before we close today, there's a really special um, feature here that we have Luke Cohen from Stranded FM. Hello. So thank you for always being here for Common Air, of course. Yeah, thank you for uh, doing this Common Air session. We hope yeah. to see you back. And um, I think it was a really nice introduction because like we always care about more the politics behind music. Mm. And th I think this, um, especially like lots of our listeners will be familiar with DJ Sprinkles, the alias of, um, of Terry Tamelitz. So I right. think it's a good, good introduction also for our listeners to get more into your practice and Tara's yeah. practice as well. Right. So I will play one that uh, introduced me to uh, Tara uh, as DJ Sprinkles, I think in 2011, no, 2013 this was, and it's uh, okay. truly encapsulating uh, long dubby DJ sets. And this famous song symbolizes it, I think, and it's called uh, Lockdown Party. It's a remix that DJ Sprinkles did. Oh, <laughs> 
Well, that's a wrap. And what an <laughs> incredible way to, to close this season of Common Air. Um, thanks so much, Luke. And so um, thank you to, to all of you for listening to our first season of Common Air. You can hear the first and second episodes on uh, mixcloud.com forward slash stranded FM. And if you'd like the show notes, um, please send me an email at uh, stacy at costco.art. That's Stacy with an I. So before we really close, um, I just want to plug something into the calendar for you. Um, join us in September. Uh, that's when we'll launch hopefully another season of Common Air. But we'll be opening our, um, our exhibitions by Ansun Yablom, uh, Bobby Badalov, Mire Lee, and Amma Josephine Budge at Costco Art Institute working for the Commons. So thanks again to Stranded FN for this really nice experience and I, I look forward to um, further collaboration. <laughs>